0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Women's Golf History Podcast with me, Lauren Beatty, final year PhD student and non-golfing golf geek. Yes, you heard right, I'm not a golfer and until recently I had never even held a golf club. Despite my lack of golf talent, I love the history of the sport and especially the history of the women's game. On this podcast, I shed light on the largely hidden history of women's grassroots golf in Scotland. Each episode welcomes a new guest, with a personal connection to the sport and its heritage. Exploring the past, present, and future of the women's game. Welcome back to episode four of the Women's Golf History Podcast. Today I'm joined by Emma Ballard, golfer and editor of the Women in Golf online magazine. Hi Emma, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here today. So I I met Emma or Founder, rather on on Twitter, <laughs> when I was doing my research, um, everything seemed to be on Twitter. And so when I was undertaking my PhD research, I came across your work, Emma, and I saw that you had been on a podcast. It was a good good golf podcast, an Australian based um, podcast. And I listened to the podcast episode that you did on um, the course review rating system for for women by and for women and I thought it was so interesting and then I got in touch with Emma and said oh, I'd, I'd love to have a chat with you and so Emma and I had a great chat all about our passion for golf and working in golf and it was great and I, I really just wanted the chance to speak to you again Emma and find out a bit more so <laughs> um, so I thought today we could talk a little bit um, first about so what sort of got you into golf playing golf
1: yeah so well thank you for having me and yeah i did really enjoy our initial chat we could have probably talked for a lot longer than we than we did um but yeah so for, for me getting into golf um it's the it's sort of a classic really coming from a golf mad family uh, my dad is and has always been a very keen golfer um and i grew up very luckily with Wentworth where obviously they've got the BMW PGA Championship and that was my home club so all in all, it, sort of, it was the markings of having at least, not a career in golf maybe, but uh, at least playing golf and and that's what I did. I started having lessons when I was 10. Um, I've got a younger brother who also played. Um, but as you'll hear a lot, um, and it's still relevant today but not as much so, um, I was the only girl in the lessons, I played other sports uh, and I was just gravitated a little bit away from golf. So I always just dipped in and out. Um, but yeah, it really started off just because I've got a golf mad dad in fact my mum played as well but she sort of ditched golf and, and played more tennis so I've not really played much with my mum but obviously I always enjoy playing with my dad not so much my brother because he's got a bit of a temper but, <laughs> but yeah so that's really how I started uh, with my sort of interest in golf
0: yeah and you've mentioned that family connection which comes up a lot when I speak to women um do you think that's important you know for women starting out golf to have like a parent or you know a grandparent that plays golf and really get them into the game? Do you think that's an important route into golf?
1: I think it's helpful, that's for sure. Um, I mean, for me, I didn't know any different. Obviously, being a child, you don't know any different. I didn't know. My, obviously, my friends didn't play golf, but I didn't really think anything of it. It's just that it was golf was part of the setup at home. You know, it was swinging a club in the garden when I was really, you know, little and and sort of doing that side of things. It was just the norm. Um, I do think it probably helps because there's still that massive stigma around golf and golf clubs. You know, how do you get in there? You know, is it middle class, male, pale, stale, all those things that we hear over and over again. Mm. So I think there is an intimidation factor to get in. Um, but from my point of view, it's it was ideal for me. But over the years, I found that there are other ways, obviously, to go in. I, I managed to encourage a lot of mums from school. Um, to come and join me at my golf club. So I think that there's the thing around invitation and whether that invitation is from a family member or a friend or a loved one, you know, um, I think that helps especially for women. Um I'm not saying that women need to have their hand held, but I do think there is something to be said about going with someone to the golf club for the first time, so whether you're a junior or whether you are a grown-up, you know, just going with someone who knows the layout, knows how to, you know, enter and things. I mean, it's not I don't think golf clubs are as intimidating as they used to be, but there's still that stigma around it. So you can't you can't change it. If I went to a load of mums in the car park and said Have you tried golf? And they said, no. And what's stopping you? Oh, it's, you know, well, it's not for me. It's a bit too intimidating. It's male dominated. You'll have all the same things coming back to you. Um, so I do think if you are a golfer, it, it's sort of almost your obligation to try and help get someone else or multiple people into the sport because, you know, really what it's actually like.
0: Yeah, that's great, Emma. What a, what a great idea just to approach women and say, have you ever thought about it? Come along. Um, and did you have women come along and give it a go?
1: Yeah, we got really lucky, basically. I mean, I don't want to bore everyone with my, um, with my life story, but uh, I moved up to the Midlands here it, it, just outside of Birmingham. Uh, Ten years ago, and um, had my second daughter, and um, I'd sort of I'd been working in the industry for quite a long time by that point, but I just hadn't really been playing much golf having a young family. So um, when she was getting to about two, I thought, right, you know, I really would like to try and get back to playing golf regularly, but obviously it was in a new area, Um, and I'm lucky enough again working in the industry, knowing what it's all about about getting to golf in England. You know, that's sort of the route that was the route in at the time um and yeah just it's a classic you know you've gone to someone's party and you're having a chat with one of the other mums and they happen to mention that they played a bit of golf and i said oh i work in golf you know would you be interested in doing that so yeah, there are about two or three of us that thought about it um and this is in the day, so it's about eight years ago so this was just before really whatsapp took off so we had a facebook group chat for the mums at school so I just dropped a message in there after I'd contacted my local club and said, are you offering getting to golf? And they said, yes. They put on a couple of sessions. Um, yes, yeah, so I just dropped it into the chat. And I said, does anyone else want to come along? You know, we're gonna do these two sessions, a beginner session and like, a we wouldn't say, well, let's say, let's call it improver. So somebody that had played before, but maybe hadn't played for a long time. So that was sort of where I was. Um, yeah, so we set these two sessions up and we got sort of around about 20 women that came along, sort of split between the two groups. Um, and that was eight years ago. Um, and yeah, there's not still 20 of them, but the knock-on effect was pretty impressive. You know, it was, they started, did the five week course then added on more time on top of that. Then they started to bring their children to the junior sessions. Then their husbands were like, oh, well, I'm missing out on playing, so they played a bit. Even I heard that grandparents started to play a bit more. So that knock-on effect from just one or two taster sessions um, and, and a sort of series of lessons from there was was quite impressive. And, um, you know, we even managed to get England Golf down to sort of do a little video and stuff of that, which was quite fun. But yeah, I think we don't, I mean, not everyone's obliged to invite other people along, but sometimes that idea of actually asking, you sometimes pique people's interest a bit more than you might have realised. So I, I don't, as I said before, I don't think if you went to the, I'm, I'm using the school car park because that's what I go to every day. But if you go to the school car park and you ask a load of women about playing golf, it's not on their radar, I don't think. So I think you do need to actually, a lot of the time, invite them along. Maybe things have changed slightly since the pandemic, obviously there's been a huge influx of women playing. Um, but before that, there was definitely more of a need to actually get people there yourself. You needed you needed um, someone to actually sort of action it, I would say.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's just what you say in there, golf not being on their radar. And for me, growing up, Um, I wasn't really exposed to golf in any way Um, I suppose my my granddad played um, but he passed away when I was quite young and I I don't know if it was the age I was at but certainly he tried to get my my older brother into golf but there was never a question of me of introducing me to golf and I just didn't see it really as something you know there was just no connection really there and then throughout school I can remember at high school I think being like in awe of there being there was a couple of girls that played on the golf team and I thought wow like that's really unusual I wonder how they got into that so for me it was something that was really quite out there Um, and I think there is obviously from my own perspective quite a lot of um, as you say sort of stigma sort of stereotypes of what golf is actually like, what the golf club is like but it does seem to be changing now, there seems to be a lot more sort of steps towards you know changing that
1: image of golf which I think is really positive Yeah I would agree and I, it's it's around, I know I think that the definition of a golfer seems to have changed quite a lot in more recent times Now I know that there's been, I would say at least, well getting on for nearly 20 years worth of push to try and get people more women sorry should I say in particular into golf I can remember back in the early Mm. 2000s when I was at university that that was a big push um so it's not a new thing but I think that definition of what a golfer is has changed quite a lot um more recent research is you know talking about the, the casual golfer so the one that's at the driving range or the one that's going to the pitch and putt or doing adventure golf um you know they are becoming we're trying to, you know as an industry to try and incorporate them they are golfers if they're on an adventure golf course they're a golfer now whether that person actually sees himself as a golfer is is a is another thing but i i do believe that it the whole sort of image has relaxed a lot in more recent maybe in the last three or four years and as i say the pandemic did a huge well obviously apart from all the negatives of pandemic the uh the actual impact it had on golf it has been unbelievable you know suddenly those barriers weren't there anymore because actually the only sport you could play was golf So all of a sudden, women are going, well, I can't go and do anything else. So I'll go and give that a try. And I think that's also then made them see that actually the the stuffiness or whatever it is, the restrictiveness of the sport isn't actually what they thought it was. Um, So from my point of view, I don't think it's actually been ever really too stuffy. Obviously, there are clubs that are like that. But um, I just think that maybe with and obviously with social media, things are being reframed slightly that you can actually see that it is a very welcoming and and a great sport to be in whether you're just going to the driving range or whether you're actually going out onto the golf course
0: yeah absolutely and like you say there are so many routes into it now um you know different ways of, of playing golf as a casual golfer and you can dip into it a little bit more sort of informally which i think is really important especially when you're you know just getting a taste for it and yeah, um, I think, you know, like you say, cause I, I did that actually, I had a, a wee shot at the at the driving range and it was an experience cause I'd never hit a golf ball, like had a proper swing at a golf ball. So, but I could see how you could get the, the bug for it and really want to, to give it a go. And so I think what we're really saying here is We just need to get women to try it we need women to give it a go and then once they do give it a go a lot of the time they get hooked and they really enjoy it and they see that it is a very welcoming sport and you know you can play it how you you know you can fit it in with your life in a way that maybe wasn't possible years ago, when the sort of period that I was looking at in my research post-Second World War, you know, there was a lot more restrictions as to when women could play. Um, It doesn't appear to be, you know, that's changing with the equal membership and things like that, that's changed a lot. So yeah, so I think what we're saying is, is if if there are women listening, you know, that aren't golfers, but want to give it a go, give it a go, and um, if you want any advice on you know how to go about that just get in touch but emma what would you say to somebody listening um who hasn't played before and just doesn't know really know where to get started how would you get them into golf would you say
1: um from my point of view i always think the internet's got a big there's a huge amount of information on there um obviously it depends which country you're based in uh, in england you've got england golf and then obviously the scottish golf where where you are Um, I'd always Mm -hmm. just do sort of the search for the local golf club and get in touch with them. But again, it's a big leap. There's so many different routes in whether it's finding someone that you know. I mean, I would think that most people probably know someone who plays golf, even if it is just a friend or a friend friend of a friend. Um, So I always think it's good, as I said before, to try and find someone you know uh, and ask them how they got into it. But also, most local golf clubs are very friendly and welcoming Um, And you'll find one that has got some sort of beginner sessions because, as I said before, the drive is still there to get more women into golf. The taster sessions seem to be quite regular. Um, I do think things have changed a huge amount that you'll still hear some negative things around the ability for women to play and, and, and balancing that with work and family life can be tricky but as you've said already there is an ability to fit it in so I think if you do feel like it's too time consuming then maybe just see what options there are and then also from a cost point of view that's always another restrictive barrier you know again just to have a taster session you don't necessarily need a full set of clubs all the gear you just don't need that you know a lot of taster sessions if you go to them you can be in your trainers uh, you know just comfortable clothing probably may need sort of athleisure wear, whatever you feel comfortable in if you're doing sport and, and, and sort of start from there. So I think it is just taking a bit of a leap of faith. But if you can ask someone for advice, whether that be via an online person you've seen on Instagram or whether that be a, a friend of the family or someone you know, I think that would be my advice. And, and not to be too... Worried about it because I think that's what we tend to do as women. We tend to worry about things quite a bit, and I think it's not as daunting as you may believe it to be. But it's easier said than done. I've, as I say, been in the in and around the industry now for sort of thirty years, so I'm much more sort of submerged in it. So um, I probably see it as an easier option to get into than than if you'd never been in it before
0: that's that's really helpful emma Uh really great advice um if, I, if we were to go on to talk a little bit about your golf career then and how how that progressed
1: yeah i mean again it's it's feel like i'm boring people with my my uh, details <laughs> but uh, yes yeah, so as i say started playing golf and played lots of sports growing up so when I was about 12, I decided that sports or this working in the sports industry was for me. And um, at the time, the only role, role models I had obviously were like elite athletes and or my PE teachers. So I was like, well, I'll be a PE teacher when I'm older because that's what I can see. Um, obviously, when you get to sort of A-levels or you know, sort of sixth form, you've got to make that decision. And um, that obviously opened up to me that there are a lot, lot, more, lot more options and things available. So I decided to go down a sports degree route Um, and ended up doing sports development and coaching sciences at Bournemouth University. Within that was a, it was a four year degree uh, and it covered lots of different things. So it was obviously development is is the idea of getting more people into and active in sport, um, as well as coaching and then, you know, all sorts of business modules, uh, physiology, psychology. We covered lots of stuff over the course of the degree. But the third year was actually a placement year uh, in the industry. Um, and I got very lucky with someone I was actually babysitting for back home, I actually ran his own um sports marketing agency, so I plucked up the courage and said, "You know, by any chance have you got any placement opportunities' Uh, and it was really close to my mum and dad, so I could live at home for the year. And that's where it all began, really. Uh, it was a sports marketing agency which had a focus on golf, but they also looked after, uh, you know, Olympic athletes. So Tom Daly was one of their clients, and Samathy Pinsent at the time, when you know, obviously, when rowing was massive. So it was a really cool environment to be in. I mean, my job was answering the phone and, and photocopying and putting reports together and stuff like that. But it gave me real insight because part of the arm of the business was PR. So they looked after tight lists and and, um, Footjoy and things like that. So I got to see so many different things in this placement year and it made me realise that that was the industry I really wanted to work in. So um, finished my degree and, and got lucky again with the same company uh, and got to go out to Dubai and work out there as they set up an international arm of the business. It didn't quite work out at 22 leaving uni and with like photocopying experience uh, I wasn't necessarily the person that they needed but that sort of it, it was a springboard basically and and he kindly helped me get into working and I then worked with TaylorMade. It was TaylorMade Adidas Golf at the time when it was one big company um I just loved it. I did actually work in customer service for a bit, then I worked in a more of a sort of marketing sales role. Uh and then um had to move away, so had to move away from Tailor Made and ended up working for a PR marketing agency that was brand new set up and that was back in 2007. Um, that was a company called Mediate and I worked for them for 13 years and it was in its infancy social media at the time when I started there. So that's where I ended up sort of focusing a lot of my time in the digital space. So a lot of my role there was was doing the sort of social media marketing campaigns for our various clients from like golf bags to, um, you know, um, we had the PGA, places like that. We had all sorts of different things, loads of varied work. Um, so yeah, I built up a bit of a digital marketing portfolio I guess was sort of my area of expertise Um, and I'm sure we'll go on to talk about it but I ended up um, after the RNA launched the Women in Golf Charter um, I got lucky I say lucky no I guess I was a worthy candidate uh, to be on the leadership programme and that was sort of quite a turning point for me and I ended up sort of making a bit of a leap of faith and deciding to leave The comfort of the job I had to try and pursue something new. Didn't have a job to go to, um, and that's when um, Women and Golf got in touch. And and I guess I say the rest is history. For the so for the last three years, (laughs) I've been the editor here at Women and Golf, and it's just been fantastic. Because I really enjoyed on the sideline of my regular job writing articles, especially opinion pieces around anything to do with women's golf. To be honest, I'm quite passionate about tour level golf and gaining more exposure for the players there, but also around you know that idea of getting more women into golf um how do we do it what's the right way of doing it uh, and things of that. So I used to write the odd opinion piece when something would get my goat and I wanted to write about it. Um, And yeah, so what a fantastic opportunity for me. It was such a big chance to sort of shape the narrative around women and and juniors and girls golf uh, in the UK with with this role of women and golf. So yeah, it's been a massive learning curve. And and I say the last 17, 18 years working in the golf industry um, has been everything. I'd absolutely love the industry uh, and I've always, Found some, it to be very welcoming and never had any issues around the fact of being a woman in the industry which is always a bit of a thing isn't it you know being a, a woman in a male dominated industry so I think in the long-winded way that's an answer to your question
0: it's a great answer Emma. it was quite a, um, a broad sort of question just tell me about your your golfing <laughs> career um, but uh, so you answered it very well thank you but yeah I wanted to dip into a couple of things there so obviously you mentioned the, the Women in Golf Leadership programme that you did and I know from our previous discussions that that was hugely, I think you actually said it was pretty much life changing for you so I just wondered yeah. if you could go into that. Tell us a bit
1: about that, what you learned on the course. I'll try not to waffle too much this time, but no. So the Women in Gold um, (laughs) Leadership Development Programme obviously came about from the launch of the RNA Charter in 2018. Now, I was very fortunate that the company Mediates that I was working with were one of the first signatories of the Charter. So to be able to get onto the programme or to even apply for it, you know, your company, your business organisation had to be a charter signatory and still does. Um, So I got very, you know, I was very fortunate that they'd already signed the charter. Now, I applied for this. I can tell you it was 11, pretty much 11.58 at night before the, the midnight deadline, because I really doubted the fact that as a woman in the industry from a very small marketing agency, you know, I'm sure there were much, much better candidates than me. Uh, So I doubted myself all the way to the last moment, and then finally sent in in my application, Uh, got shortlisted and interviewed. And again, I thought, well, this is great, you know, Uh, I probably won't go much further, but again, got onto the programme and it was just from the moment um, we onboarded, which was at the AIG Women's Open in 2019, so that was in the August, until I graduated, um, unfortunately due to COVID, uh, the following year. Um, it was just an unbelievable experience to be able to be on it. Not only, you know, well, one obviously meeting the other women in your cohort, the women that you you sort of share the experiences with, but just the actual programme itself. It was, you know, you do a deep dive into you really as a person, as a leader, you know, where you fit within the industry, um, all sorts of things that you don't tend to, you know, you don't, well, maybe some people do, I went not sit there and reflect upon myself and think you know what do I do that's good you know what can I give to this industry and it was such an interesting process you know to we sort of made up a mantra you made up a you know a statement that you're gonna your statement of your intent within the industry and things like that and I was like this is mind-blowing like and then also listening to other people's experiences um, was just a great starting point let alone anything else and for me the real sort of change came with there was a you know a coaching and a mentor mentoring part of it so a coach and a mentor um different sessions and it was just yeah you just explore things that you never thought you'd go down and and you talk about things that are quite personal actually um, and it's just a really eye-opening experience and so from my point of view I say it was life-changing because it gave me an inner confidence that I didn't have it made me realize I am someone worthwhile within the industry that I have a lot to give the industry and it was I just made me excited and enthused to, to, to keep doing what I was doing um, but it just that it was the connections I think as well that were, were really important and we did a whole project um, which we then presented as I say unfortunately for us we, although we were lucky we got some of our sessions face to face I mean the majority of things nowadays are online so um, that was sort of a slight dampener on the end of the program but it was great opportunity to network and things like that so I call it life-changing because as I say it ended up really giving me that extra push to go do you know what I think there's something more I can give to the industry I wasn't sure what it was um, I'm in a fortunate position that I could take that leap of faith and not have a job necessary to go to, but with the hope that it wouldn't be too long until I found something else. And as I say, without taking that leap of faith, I would never be where I am today. And I, I'm just so, yeah, so thankful to the RNA in a way for, for that opportunity. So in that respect, and just to finish it off, you know, that the opportunity then came back to the people that had been on the cohort to be coaches uh, for the now there's a foundation programme. Um, so I've done a couple of cohorts of that, and that's, again, well, I'm hoping that they get as much out of the coaching that I got out of it, but that's such a great experience for me to learn how to be a coach, but also hopefully for the coachee to to gain some insight and understanding by working with me. Um, and then the next step further is that I was then invited to be a mentor, and I haven't started that process yet. I've got my mentee, but we've, uh, we haven't had our first session yet, so that's that's really cool like that just to be well i like to think i'm a young person in the industry but obviously i'm not that young anymore that i need to be a mentor Uh, but yeah that ability to to give back as well and hope that people gain as much from the program that i did and i and i think that's it's a privilege you know to be able to be in that position
0: it does it sounds like you know a really amazing course to do and you know your story's just it's so inspirational as well just to hear how how you've developed on it and just you know you obviously highly recommend the course and i've spoken to others like jackie and um, davidson at the the rna who's was obviously involved in facilitating the uh, course and yeah it's just it's, it's just such a fantastic um program for women and it's so it's not just that it's actually hugely important and it's you know it's, it's something that really needs to be pushed and and to be recognized and um, so i'll put the link uh, to the rna websites so that anyone that's listening if they're you know if you are working in the, the golf industry um and you want to look into it a bit more i'll put the link on uh on the podcast uh, episode yeah. Um, and what would you say to somebody that's maybe thinking about like to sign
1: up? I was I was actually going to say that it it it's almost at a point now where if you were coming into the industry or you're looking for a job within the industry, I'd almost be looking for a, for one of the organisations or businesses that are actually signed to the charter because that opportunity. <laughs> To potentially be on the programme is, is so high. Um, I believe it's, you know, now when they put out a request, you know, to apply, that the numbers are really big and they have to really, you know, it's a really tough process. I feel in some ways I was quite lucky being one of the first because probably the competition to get on there was not as high. But I just, knowing how little I thought of myself and, and, and my position within the industry. And, and I and I got onto the programme, I just think if you're super passionate about your role, your job, your, you know, being in the industry, I think it's such a great opportunity. I mean, there are quite a few women that have been on it that now have actually left the golf industry, which is almost a sad thing for the golf industry, but also it doesn't mean that you're tied down to work in golf forever, but it gives you such a good grounding in you as a person and and how you can work and how you can help others um i just think it's you know just go for it i mean i wouldn't even have any doubt um if anyone said to me what should i do i would just say just apply because worst case scenario you don't get on it but the best case is you get on there and you get a you know, have a fantastic experience it's just it is like a it's yeah money money can't buy experience that that actually as women we're very lucky to have it because No, there isn't necessarily equivalent for the the guys in the industry which obviously is a whole different discussion but you know it is a real privilege for us to be able to have that opportunity
0: absolutely and I think you're right in what you have said there as well about it's a kind of natural without stereotyping all women but I know that I can relate to that and as much as when I was approaching the PhD and applying for the PhD Because I wasn't a golfer and didn't come from that background, I really didn't think I had a chance of getting the PhD. I applied, went for the interview, and I put all my passion and interest for women, women's history, museum work, into the interview, and I I got the PhD, you know. But I think there is this natural kind of, we do doubt ourselves as women. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's just something really powerful in, in your message there and just like basically don't <laughs> like we need to just start, you know, like we know ourselves, you know, believe in ourselves and just, uh, yeah, give it a go, apply if, if it's something that you think will be beneficial to you for your personal development. At the end of the day, obviously, it's women's golf development. But as you say, it's, you know, it's personal development for yourself. And, you know, Absolutely. you never know what direction that's going to take you in once you you finish the course as well so so yeah uh, as I say I will put links to for further information because I, I do think that it's just such a you know it's just such an amazing opportunity um, thought we could go back to your role then as as um editor, obviously women in golf um magazine, but it was a so it's it's all moved online now, hasn't it but previously it was actually a physical magazine is that
1: right? Yeah, that's right. so the brand itself is about 31 32 years old um and until 2020 it was a bi-monthly magazine um so that was before my time uh, but during the pandemic, the cost of print and all those sorts of things just got too much so the idea was to get rid of the magazine but reinvest and launch a new website Um, and that's what they did and they did that in sort of the October sort of autumn time of of 2020 and then I came on board in uh, April 2021 so really what we've been doing is just trying to build that presence online um, it's always been a small team at Women in Golf. So there's only so much resource to do that. So when they had a magazine, a lot of their focus was on the magazine and not so much on the digital space. And now we're fully focused on the digital space. So although it's a 30-year-old brand, we sort of really started afresh in 2020. And I think that sort of is something that we're, not that we don't want to say that we're not a 30-year-old brand, but I think it's it's quite important to emphasize the fact that you know we really have sort of made some big steps in the digital space just in the last three years um so yes the website itself and it's when i try and say it, i can never say it properly it's at womenandgolf.com because otherwise I always sound like i'm saying women in golf because i say it so quickly but it's at womenandgolf.com and uh, we cover everything so whether that be tour golf amateur golf club news then we've got fitness fashion travel equipment Um, lifestyle I mean we have it all and it's a huge um, a huge undertaking for quite a small team but it's really really good fun to be able to yeah just showcase everything that's out there for women's golf you know we are the only we are the UK's biggest we're the only women's focused UK publication for women's golf so you know we should be the go-to resource For female golfers especially in the UK Um, but we're still having to do quite a big PR push as well to get more women's sort of knowing that 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 we're here and that we exist so um, yeah that's that's the website and and we do we have a free bi-weekly newsletter that goes out uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays and um, yeah obviously all the social media channels around that as well so it's a real, as I say, a really good resource for all the sort of golf things you need to know. And and we're hoping obviously always just to build on that month on month.
0: Yeah, it is a really great resource. I've used it myself in my research um, and I, I will put a link to the website. Because as you say, Emma, you cover so much. There's something in there for everyone. It's, it's really great. And um, one of your initiatives, obviously I mentioned at the start, was the the course review system that you set up. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So we launched this at the beginning of the year and um, it's something we were working on last year but just didn't quite pull it all together. So it's golf course reviews by women for women. Uh, The idea is that you can go on and review any golf course that you play at. Obviously, at the moment, they're all really UK-focused, but in the long run, we hope it's going to be a global database. But the idea is that, you know, as a woman, your experience of the golf course or the golf club is is very different from a man's experience because a lot of the time you're looking for different things. So it's little things like on-course toilets or whether there's women's golf clothing in the pro shop, which is still a quite a big issue and you know obviously now that we've got the world handicap system it's all about the t's being rated so which t's are rated for for women because obviously most of the time if there's three or four t's they're all rated for men but normally only one or maybe two t's are actually rated for women so it's little things like that that specific to women um that we really wanted to emphasize by having this sort of uh, review facility so you can go obviously there are golf course reviews all over the internet if you want to go and find them. But we thought it might be a really useful resource to have that, with specifically that women have reviewed it, and then other women can go, oh, right, okay, oh, that course is really welcoming. It's got this, that, and the other, and it ticks all the boxes for them. Um, So that's sort of the idea behind it. It's very much, I guess, like a trip advisor for for golf. So it's (laughs) very much reliant upon people leaving reviews. Um so it's been a bit of a slow burner this year. I guess I hoped it would take off a little bit more. Uh, but well the one the weather's been hit and miss quite a lot this year actually, I would say. I thought it was gonna be just a wet mm. um spring, but it seems to have been pretty much a wet summer as well so i think that might have had a little bit of an impact but people that have used it have been sort of really embraced it um and my hope is that in 2024 we're going to put a lot more emphasis on it to try and really make it a really worthwhile resource because we really feel it's got a place and again it's unique um to to sort of the golf industry and we're hoping obviously again that sort of actual venues and stuff would like try and try and sort of promote it amongst their membership and amongst the guests playing at their golf club to try and actually get more um more people reviewing i mean i guess in the long run for me it would be great to be able to have like a you know an ability to sort of not necessarily an awards thing but also just a sort of again that sort of gold silver bronze level type sort of um things that we might be able to sort of give to venues that are particularly great um when it comes to the facilities and services when when women come to play the golf course and use their club
0: yeah Absolutely. No, I had a little look at it, um and it is it's it's great. I mean I'm not a golfer so I can't really <laughs> contribute, but I think it's a great resource for women. I think it's refreshing to to put women first and for it to be, you know, specifically for and, and for and by, you know, the women themselves. Um so yeah, I mean, I I just really hope that it continues to to take off as you say, and just um, hopefully as the weather picks up and things, more women, you know, use it. And uh, but it's great to hear that you know it has been, it's been very positive. I know the feedback uh, has been very positive, and, and and women are using it, so it's, it's just really great. Um, yeah. Um, what about other projects? What other things have you been since then, have you been, recent projects have you been working on?
1: Well, I just think for most, of this, most of this podcast I'll be talking about myself, so I might as well keep talking about myself, I think. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, the one one exciting thing that I did is a, that I've been doing as a content series throughout the year this year is 40 by 40. Uh, it's my 40th birthday in December, oh, yeah. so I thought, why not set a challenge? And the idea was to do 40 rounds of golf by my 40th birthday. Uh, so we are now very much the middle of September and I'm only on 26. And I'm feeling like there's not much time left. So we'll hopefully that last 14 will come through pretty quickly. But the idea behind it really, apart from it sounding like I was going on a little jolly uh, on my little travels around to different golf clubs, um, it was really just an idea to meet other women um, at golf clubs, in the industry, um to highlight some stories but also showcase the different formats whether that's playing 9 18 driving range indoor golf adventure golf whatever it might be um I think I've done that to a certain degree um my only problem is is as I've mentioned before we're a small team so I've I've been very very sort of remiss with some of my blogging so I was meant to be blogging alongside it so unfortunately the blogs are a little bit stacked up at the minute so I need to get quite a few of those out but it's been really, really interesting. Um, probably one of my favourites was the second one that I went to, which was at a place called Colmworth, which is a, a facility uh, that is in Bedfordshire that's run by a mother and daughter. And it was just so, just so, like, that opportunity, although, yes, of course, I should be looking down those stories and writing about them, but because in this sort of environment of 40 by 40, I, I was really actively looking for these uh, stories and, and, and things like that, and, and just... It's given me such a great opportunity to meet some fantastic women. There was one of them where I went to a golf club um, and they were celebrating significant birthdays. So they had nine women from the ladies section having a 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And, and then there was a lady having a 90th birthday. And Amazing. again, it was just such a great opportunity to see different club environments Um meet different people and, and tell their stories so I've really enjoyed it um, but just with the just general things I'm now feeling a bit under pressure <laughs> as we head towards uh, my deadline um, and trying to get the rest of the rest of the rounds in but it was I hoped it was just a bit fun and a bit of a different way of looking at a story but having a sort of thread to to follow it through throughout the year so that was one of the things we worked on and then um, I guess the other thing is just um, Solheim Cup that's coming up. So that's the, that's been a big project, and we're uh, really looking forward to heading to Spain next week. So we're excited to see what happens! Oh then. wow,
0: exciting! So, yeah, but
1: otherwise there's always lots going on. But that's one yeah. specific project that, that we've been working on the entire year. So I feel like I've peaked. I'm not have a don't have a clue what we're going to do in 2024, but uh, 2023 has just been very interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, it just that sounds fab. 40 by 40, what a great idea. I hope you well, get the, gonna... the next the next 14 in, but you might need to yeah, so do I. extend I should, it I on.
1: Should, I should also add in that um, it also gave me an opportunity to indulge in a bit of, um, as we talked about history, it gave me a chance to look into my family history a little bit as well, which I did earlier on in the year. And um, I went over to Ireland and I actually played at a golf club where my great-great-aunt had been... Lady Captain in 1937, oh. so it was really cool. I'd looked into some of my history. I do have connections up in St Andrews, so I was hoping for some big, you know, Captain of the, of the Royal and Ancient Club. I didn't quite manage that, but but, but two of my my great grandfather, my great great grandfather, were both members of the Royal and Ancient Club. So it was cool to find out all these things, and then also then be able to find out within that family chain that there was there's someone actually who'd been Lady Captain. Um, all those years ago and to go and see her name on the board. And yeah, I mean, that was that was super cool. I mean, if anything was I mean, I should have done that anyway, but but 40 by 40 gave me the opportunity to actually really do that. And it was, yeah, it was one of those weird moments where you're like, I don't know this person, I never met them, but it's really cool that their name's up there and I'm, you know, uh, part of their family. So but yeah, that was that was a very cool moment.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, oh, it must have been just so yeah, it's so great to go there and to to be at the place where she <laughs> she played all those years ago and yeah, fantastic. And I think
1: it, it's it's just really cool. I mean, maybe that was maybe that was I was always destined to work in golf. I don't know. When I found the Wall and Ancient uh, connection, I was like, oh, maybe that was always meant to be. Maybe golf was always it's golf the golf was and it, being in the golf industry was always going to be be for you. But yeah, it's very yeah. cool.
0: Oh, that's very nice. Um, and you were at the you were at the women's open yeah, yeah. in August. How was yeah, that? Yeah, that was
1: yeah, it well, I mean, I got I've been to uh, three now in, in my role here as editor and yeah, it was really exciting. It's the It's been the most probably the most well-attended one that I've been to. There's nothing wrong with the venues in Scotland before anyone thinks I'm dissing Scotland. But, uh, you know, Muirfield was a fantastic location last year. It's just a little bit more tricky to get to, whereas obviously the ones around London are a little bit easier for, for, for more spectators to get to. So, you know, it was really interesting to see the, the new festival. They launched sort of a festival feel within the um, fan area, and yeah just to see yes to see it all come together i always think it's it's really good to be on the ground because i think it makes a big difference actually being there um and obviously from a from a british point of view having a british player or english player in contention on the final day was always going to make it really exciting so yeah i really really enjoyed it i got very lucky and was able to play the course the day after um I didn't play obviously from their tees, I had to play a little bit further forward, I'm not that good. Um, so that was a, a really great opportunity too. But I think the women's open just seems to be going from strength to strength. And obviously with it coming to St Andrews in 2024, I am so excited to see mm-hmm. like how well it's embraced. I'm really hoping, obviously I appreciate we're not gonna have 280,000 or whatever it was, was the number for the for the men's open. But I'm hoping that we we really have a really large number. You know, it was fifty, just over fifty thousand, I think, at Walton Heath. So let's get that up closer towards a hundred thousand. would be Would be really great across the across the week. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's exciting to see the sort of move in in women's golf and and the sort of trajectory it's going. Um, let's just hope it continues.
0: Absolutely. I'm hoping to come along to the. I'm going to try and come along to when it's in St Andrews. So maybe yeah, see you sure. there, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you enjoy most
1: about your job, Emma? Gosh, that's a question, isn't it? I, I would say <laughs> the story... Uh, it used to be opinion, as I say, like throw my opinion around about things. But actually, nowadays, it's the storytelling. I really enjoy the storytelling. I mean, I'm a bit biased, so... One of my main exciting things to do is my I do these industry insights pieces where I'm actually talking to women who work in the industry. That personally is is my my favourite thing to do because I find it really fascinating and there's so many different roles. You know, you don't as you say you don't even have to be a golfer to work in the industry. But you know, from IT to HR to greenkeeping to marketing to product design. The, the, the list is absolutely endless of the roles within the industry and I find it so fascinating to be able to talk to different women and see their career path and and how they got to where they are so that's probably my most exciting thing. but also that ability to hold the conversation around about sort of women's issues within golf so I find that also quite interesting so whether that's women's health so when we're looking at things like you know periods menopause um you know all those sorts of side of things um but then also around things that i guess things that affect women specifically so like today we've released a a story about a a lady that had breast cancer and how golf helped with her recovery now that's very unique uh obviously to women and i think some of these stories are really interesting to tell um and i and i hope that our readers really you know find them of interest as much interest that i do um yeah and I guess yeah just that narrative around women's golf that we can always say and talk about I don't I hate to to dwell on the negatives too much now I appreciate there are negatives for women whether that be you know a lot of it's around competitions you know competition times at golf clubs and not being able to play every working woman and and equal access to the golf course and um you know certain people's behaviour at golf clubs and things like that. But I they I know these things exist. I'm not trying to pretend they don't exist, but i, I do try as my best as possible to focus on a lot of the positives that golf has, whether that be health, well being, or all the way down to just the actually the competitive side and, and whatever people um get from their golf. Um so yeah, I do I do know that we have to focus on some of the negatives. Um but I do try and, and say a lot of the positives because I just think as a sport and as an industry it's got so much to offer and it's it yeah for, from my point of view it's great to have that you know i'm I, well in charge which sound very important i mean i know i'm i am in charge of, of of sort of scripting that narrative so yeah what an opportunity to be in that position um and i i just feel grateful for it every day um probably hence the reason that i'm completely and utterly dedicated to the website it feels like 24 7 because <laughs> it is just such a great platform and i just yeah absolutely you know when you you talk about some my friend was talking about the sunday dread about going back to work every week and i don't have that i really don't i absolutely adore this job um and i'm just super passionate about it so how cool is that you get to mm-hmm. have your passion and 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 it be your be your job so um I just wish I was better at actually playing the game. That would probably be my only thing. That would be, uh, would be something that would be, that I wish I could do more and have more hours in the day. But, uh, but no, I think, yeah, for me for, in my role, it is just that, yeah, that ability to be in that position, privileged position. I keep talking about privilege but that privileged position to, um, to be able to talk about anything and everything around around women and girls golf.
0: Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. It's that sharing stories? It's a bit like me with my. my my research it's that sharing stories and it is about the golf but it's about the women and their lives and and you know as well and that's those insights that you were saying are they just sound so fascinating you know and really um yeah they just i'll need to check those out and uh, i would encourage (laughs) listeners to check them out as well because it just sounds so lovely you know like um finding out about how golf has impacted women's lives and how it's benefited, as you said, you know, the positive showing the positives, which I think is, is so important.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of negatives in the women's golf space at all levels of the game and I and I it does make me worry about, you know, when we talk about stereotypes and we talk about non golfers and all they see is negatives. You know, why would you want to come into a sport if all you're seeing is we're not welcome? You know, people are unfriendly, you know, women are their own worst enemies, all that sort of stuff. So I do get there are negatives, but I do believe that the positives, whether it be the working in the industry or playing, you know, I do think the positives far outweigh the negatives. Um, and, you know, I do think we need to, we, we're in a position where we really need to emphasise that, that, you know, there are more positives. I mean, there's negatives in everything in life, aren't there? So nothing is perfect. Um, and I just feel that we... we do need to make sure that we get across like all the good stuff because it's not always like that especially in the women's golf space
0: no absolutely well I think that's actually a lovely place for us to finish off today Emma so I'd like to thank you so much because it's been great chatting to you again and I really hope that we get to catch up next year in St Andrews
1: it'd be really good to actually meet face to face rather than online always (laughs) for sure
0: I know absolutely thank you Thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Next, I welcome back Hannah Fleming and we're joined by Professor Fiona Skillen from Glasgow Caledonian University. On this episode, we discuss the history of women's golf fashion in Britain and the evolution of clothing worn on the golf course from the late 19th century. As this is a subject that we're all very passionate about, I cannot wait to hear Fiona and Hannah's thoughts. Please like and subscribe All the links to where you can find us are in the podcast description. Please also feel free to get in touch if you have any questions, comments or recommendations for future episodes.